Welcome to Beth and Jordan Rewatch. I'm Jordan, and I'm a nerd. And I'm Beth, and I'm also a nerd. For our show, we will rewatch TV shows and movies that Beth and I have enjoyed and try to look at them with a fresh perspective. For this season, we will be rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender for the third time for me and for the three millionth time for Jordan. So let's start with season two, episodes five and six. As usual on Beth and Jordan Rewatch, we begin today with our recap where we go through um, the episodes that we just watched and give them a one-minute recap, um, trying our best to only include the most important things. Uh, And so Beth has elected this time to... Or I'm sorry, I have elected this time to go first um, with Season 2, Episode 5, Avatar Day. And so, Beth, do you have your eye on the clock? I do. All right. Uh, yep, go ahead and give me a countdown, and we'll go ahead and get going. All righty. Uh, three, two, one, go. All right. So the gang uh, stumble upon a city where they are just trading for some goods after a little dust-up with some rough rhinos who are firebenders, and there they discover it's Avatar Day, thinking that there's going to be this cool celebration. They later find out in horror that it's a day where they hate avatars, specifically Avatar Kyoshi, who they accuse of murder. Um, Aang is arrested while they try to clear Kyoshi's name. Um, they go to Kyoshi Isle, which turns out to be not too far away, to try to find clues um, for why Avatar Kyoshi could not have murdered Chin the Conqueror. Um, meanwhile, Ava- meanwhile, Aang gets relationship advice from inmates. Um, while they while they are on trial, they find out that the the justice system of Chin City is really messed up. Um, despite all of this, um, as uh, justice is about to be proclaimed. Avatar Kyoshi appears on the scene through Aang, admits to having committed the crime um, and having separated from the island, creating Kyoshi Island. After the punishment is about to be handed out, uh, the rough rhinos appear on the town. A- Aang and the gang save the day, and Avatar Day is re-honored in favor of help and thanking Aang for his good service. All right, you were 14 seconds over. It felt like it. Felt like it. it I could just, I could just feel the lingering. Yeah, it's all good though. It's all right. I guess we haven't. I haven't screwed. I haven't gone uh, over on one in a while. And I mean, Avatar Day is kind of a like a convoluted plot. It's not like it's super linear or anything. So for sure, especially the whole, the whole why Avatar Kyoshi is guilty thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Beth, you have season two, episode six, The Blind Bandit. Uh, I have my eye on the clock. Are you ready? I am ready. Three, two, one, go. All right, so the gang shows up at this Earth Kingdom city where they're still trying to find Aang, an earthbending teacher. He uh, tries one guy who's basically like a a scam artist for the most part. Um, But then they run into somebody who points them or who mentions something called earth rumble six they're like oh okay we'll go see if we can find something there um it's basically wwe but with rock trucking and it's phenomenal yes. um while there they see a blind little girl who just completely owns everybody um and ang's like oh i want her to be my earth bending teacher he fights her and wins technically but that just makes her angry at him so they find her at her home um turns out she's rich and her parents don't know how good she is um they get they try to convince her to teach Aang and she decides not to, but then later after she and Aang are captured and she's able to show her stuff in front of her parents, she decides she wants to after her parents tell her she can't anymore. Ooh, there you go. Six seconds short. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting too detailed. 
Oh yeah, I understand the feeling completely. So awesome. Very good. That was that was the two episodes. And so now it's time for the part of the show where we dive deep into the episodes um, and give them our fresh take. Um, And I guess just for full accountability, I'm not quite sure what the word is, but just so you as the listener know, Beth and I had a discussion about these episodes beforehand, and Beth was way more excited about The Blind Bandit, which, I mean, I don't disagree with Blind Bandit is a good episode, but I was definitely way more um, excited about the episode Avatar Day. Um, And I I guess Beth... Do you, do you have any changed opinions now that you've watched <laughs> it again? Yeah. So Avatar Day wasn't as mediocre as I remembered it, which is which is what, like, uh, damned by faint praise or whatever. But I, I did enjoy the episode. Um, it was it was just fun. <laughs> so Good. Yeah. I, I mean, I have to admit that I like Avatar Day, and it feels like to me an episode that breaks all of my typical like checkboxes or my standards for what makes a good episode. Um, Because like for me, what makes a good episode is one, don't be filler. And I have to admit, Avatar Day is filler. I was going to say, I'm like, this is filler. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitionally filler. Like you could totally never know this episode existed and you'd be just fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that's usually on my list of don't, you know, on my, on my list of things to do to in order to be a great episode, I think don't be filler is usually one. Um, oh, I'm tra- that was actually probably the only example I really had. So, <laughs> but so I guess why I was excited about this and watching it again, it lived up to everything I remembered. Um, so why do I like this filler episode? Um, I think the thing that carries this episode, it is, is it is just so stinking witty. Mm-hmm. It is just a funny episode. Um, like that being the examples I would give is um, one, Aang, you know, Ang and the prisoners. I don't know why that one's just kind of funny. Sok- I'm a Sokka person. And so <laughs> any moment where Sokka is just where his comedic element is strong. I mean, I'm just all about that. And so, and even at the beginning, like I tell you what, at the beginning, poor Sokka and his boomerang, like, all the, all the other uh, Katara and Aang can go have all their precious stuff back, but not Sokka and his identifying characteristic. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, Sokka. A, yeah, a strong Sokka episode is always going to make me always going <laughs> to make me happy. Fair enough. I don't know. Was there anything? I have other things I could say, but I want to make sure it's not just me talking about how great this episode <laughs> is. I want to make sure there are other voices in the room. I, um, I do agree with you, honestly. Like, it's a good, it's a good Sokka-centered episode. He gets to dress up and pretend to be Sherlock Holmes, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, Such high praise emanating from at you. At one point, like, you know, I'm always all about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love, the the one part I do love is when Avatar Kiyoshi shows up at the end and is just mm. like, yeah, I did it. So what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what you going to do about it? And I mean, it's not really a spoiler to say Avatar Kiyoshi will show up again. And her advice that she gives in the future is also along the lines of, yeah, I, yeah, I did it. Just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, violence Avatar- is sometimes the answer. Right. That is, if there is a way we would sum up Avatar Kiyoshi, it is violence is sometimes the answer. 
and she and there are no regrets about it. There's no waffling. There's no uh, it's regrettable that I had to do it. It's like I did it. Mm-hmm. It had to be done. It's the way it is. Yeah, just no nonsense. Um, Which is kind of a breath of fresh air, like in terms of we've got like highly moral, like do the right thing. Aang and Katara, you've got the bad guys, but then you've got this person who's like, yeah, I'm a good guy. And I totally just killed a guy. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is actually in an odd way, a kind of a breath of fresh air to have somebody do something that might be morally questionable, but to be absolutely resolute in it and just say, yeah, I did it. You may have qualms about it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and our other characters just have to get over it because um, ev- every other character, unless they're the villain, and even then, even sometimes the villains, like at least equivocates a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would agree with that. That is very refreshing. Um, I even like, you know, I I think another thing that cinches this episode for me, which I think would check a box of a good episode, is expand the lore. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a substantive way, um, you know, there's there's maybe like the swamp which expanded the lore by including this pointless little <laughs> bit of geography in the Earth Kingdom that just annoyed us. Mm-hmm. But expand, but they expanded the lore meaningfully here because, like, one, all of a sudden it's like, wait, what's this about Chin the Conqueror and like almost taking over all of the Earth Kingdom except for the city of Bossing, say, um. Like, what is this whole thing where him and Kyoshi had to like face each other and like, instant like not even on purpose, but like ha- she happened to kill him, uh, which we will later find out. Like, even though that was an accident, it, she, she sees no difference in her eyes. She would have done it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. To me, I I appreciate the fact that there's like, whoa, there's this this kind of an interesting piece of history you've thrown in here. Yeah, it's really good world build- building, honestly. It makes the world feel lived in, like there was a history before the show started, and that's one of one of the strengths of this episode. I agree with you. Yeah. And then, uh, man, I, I, I hate feeling like I'm just talking this episode so much, but that's okay. I know you will praise the Blind Bandit enough to, for me to shut up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, even a little bit of Aang is showing us for once more of his manipulative side and his... He's a little bit less naively hopeful. Like, I mean, it's there mm-hmm. to be sure, because he definitely thinks he'll be able to work out the justice system and prove his innocence, which it turns Without out he's not innocent. prepping for his own trial. <laughs> right. Uh, they're right. like, oh, just present the evidence. And he's like, right, evidence. Uh, you told me what this is, and I completely forgot about it. I'm like, no, Aang. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, granted, it wouldn't have helped him very much anyways, because it's an unfair trial. But geez, And it's a messed up a city. Shot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, I don't know, one, the fact that Aang manipulates Sokka's preferences and his, you know, his love of being a detective Mm -hmm. in order to get him to work the case. And then two, like the one that kind of stuck out to me, and this is the first time this stuck out to me, um, is as much as a naive, always doing the right thing sort of person that he is, when the city is under attack, he actually uses it and it's just like, oh, I gee, know. oh, gee, I should have, you know, I could help your city, but I'm supposed to be boiled in oil right now. And that's new. Uh-huh. Like, Aang, like I wrote down, Aang is done with this place. He has tried his naive approach. It has failed. And he's just like, all right, you're not going to play by my rules. I will beat you at your own game. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, not not a side of thing we've seen before. But. Right, and he, and I love that when they're just like, "Fine, community service. Now serve your community," and he gets a smile on his face because he's like, "All right, something I can actually handle." Uh huh. Um, I'm surprised, Beth, you didn't want to at all bring up Zuko's. I was going to. I was just figuring you okay. we were talking about the a plot first. Okay. Yeah, I mean those are those are the big things I wanted to talk about the a plot, uh, yeah. which I enjoyed a lot. But yeah, now since you're such a Zuko stan, you know, talk, yeah, talk to us about the, yeah, talk to us about that B plot. Yeah, so I mean, it's not a lot happens, you know. It's just Zuko robbing people and Iroh being like, "Wow, like where'd you get all this money from?" And I'd rather like I don't care where my tea comes from, whether it's porcelain or tin, and like there's no shame in being poor. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting seeing Zuko sort of wrestling with it and he's not he's not really i guess wrestling with it at this point it's more of just he's used to live a certain lifestyle even though he was a banished prince he was still a prince grew up Mm -hmm. in luxury and he's not used to doing without i mean as a fire nation royal even as banished Mm -hmm. one he'd probably have been able to just go to any town and demand whatever he wanted and the people would give it to him so now Mm -hmm. he's learning kind of he, he's not learning. That's that's the wrong phrase. So he's trying to work around the fact that he can't do that anymore. And it's mm-hmm. it's morally not great. Like, sure, sometimes he's stealing from the rich. But then at the beginning of the episode, we steal him, see him stealing from the peasant family. So mm-hmm. this is this is the first time I think we've seen Zuko doing... I mean, not the first time, but it's, it's one of the only times this season so far we've seen him doing something, like, unequivocally bad. Right. It's objectionably wrong. <laughs> exactly. Object- objectively not objectionably exactly yes it is wrong yeah and you know when so one this is also i think another moment where iroh shines in his ability to give good uncle wisdom fatherly mm. wisdom but what's interesting to me because zuko is so uh, just enamored with this word i appreciated that iroh also talked about honor mm-hmm. and he talks about how there is a simple honor in poverty um and and so we see but and and zuko replies there is no honor for me without the avatar that's i mean that's still his mindset um and and i appreciate that they brought that up because it's still where are we on this journey zuko it's the most important thing for him is honor still Mm -hmm. um and here we have iroh trying to trying to adjust his definition of honor Mm-hmm. Trying, trying to say, the avatar is not the only place where honor exists, or you know, and rest- or restoring your honor. It might. And he, well, actually, he even says that. He even says, you know, just because even if you capture the avatar, that may not solve our problems. Mm-hmm. And so, which I mean, which shows if we never had, if we never, uh, if he'd never explicitly seen it before, like it shows us how clear-eyed Iroh is. Yeah, um, and how he, like the opposite Zuko is at this point too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so I don't know. I, I I just I just really I just really zoomed in on that and just was really focused on that use of the word honor and how how right now like we it's I don't like you know like you were basically hinting at we're trying to say growth but no no growth yet. Um, it but it is establishing where are things now. Uh, Zuko feels like all his honor is lost. Like now it's almost utterly lost. And now he has to figure out what to do about it. Yeah. 
and like he does so often, he makes what could be considered the wrong choice, right? Yeah, I don't think it's what could be considered. It is. It is. Yeah, and I mean, I I'd... just knowing knowing what I know for the future and his character growth, like I know that he grows as a character once he splits off from Iro, so it ends up being a good decision. But it's not a great decision. <laughs> you no. Know? Yeah, you're abandoning your own. The only person you know loves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for what? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And then at the very end, as Zuko's going away, what does Iroh do? Brings him the ostrich horse. Like yes. Iroh will give Zuko everything he has and more, and it just shows how much he really does love his nephew. Oh, you're gonna make me ball, Beth. Yeah, <gasps> I love Iroh so much. <laughs> I know. There's one we can all agree on. I mean, we, not that we really disagree on much, but oh, yeah. yeah, he is. He's such a good father. Like, amazingly, to your point, a good father figure, even even when he gets a kick in the gut, he's still going to be a good father figure. Yeah. And that, oof, that about brings you to tears. Unconditional love, man, gets me every time. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I honestly was just thinking about that. I was just like, oh, we just had a, we just had a sermon in church about agape love, and there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there. So those are all my thoughts on Avatar Day. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, just another voice actor trivia thing. Did you recognize any voices from this episode? Um, I gotta think on Avatar Day. Uh, don't think so. Tell me, tell me who like, I should have recognized. The mayor of the town. Uh huh. Voices the like annoying secretary slash side person in Mulan. <laughs> Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I could... sitting there and I was like, oh, I know this voice. How do I know this voice? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I believe that. That totally sounds right. Yeah. And he also voiced somebody in Kung Fu Panda, which I've only seen once, like Mr. Ping. I don't actually know who that is, but. I yeah, I, I also have only seen it once, so I couldn't help you there. Yeah. Okay. Well, then if neither of us have anything much else to say on that, we will proceed then on to season two, episode six the blind bandit. And now I'm going to stop talking and Beth, tell me what is so great about this episode. Just Toph. Everything about Toph. Like she's so like, okay. So she's, she's strong, right? The first time we see her, she's beaten up guys twice her size and twice her age without even breaking a sweat, Mm -hmm. which is great. But then you find out that like, this whole thing is something that she's been hiding from her parents for years. And her parents believe that she's like weak and like learning breathing exercises. And I'll be perfectly honest here. I'm a sucker for like the rebel princess trope. kind of oh. thing. <laughs> Like the person who's like not wanting to conform to where the station they've been given in life. The person who's like going against people's expectations of them to do what they actually want to do and sort of pursue their own dreams and goals and ambitions. I, j- I just love that. Um, mm. I've learned something. I mean, that makes sense to me, but I'd, I'd never really have thought that or known yeah, that before. And I know it's like corny and cliched and everything, but I still just love it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. Toph is an awesome character, and everything you said is is accurate. Um, I mean, but it, you know, everything I wrote down, all the notes I wrote down for this episode, I will say to me, the plot of this episode is eh, but I, but. You know, all, all the notes I wrote down are about Toph herself. Mm-hmm. How, you know, everything is about what is she like? Um, you know, stubborn like the earth, which I think is very intentional. Oh, yeah. Um, brash, rough, confident, very much 
very much breaking the mold and having, and we need to remember that this comes out in like 2006. Uh, this would maybe be a little bit more normal today, but even then, not so much. But back in 2006, breaking the mold of what a girl is supposed to be on television. Mm-hmm. And like just brash and rough. Um, honestly, if this were in real life, she would be the one I would expect to like be cussing like a sailor. Um, you know, just like does not care what other I mean, she does she does care in that she hates that people try to coddle her, but she does not care what you think about her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just Oh, I wrote down here powerful and I I wrote down contrast, but I'm not entirely sure what I meant by that. Maybe just, I guess maybe the contrast is, oh, I think I know what I said. She's just such a contrast to the other characters who are not necessarily softies, but they are definitely way more soft than she is. And it's really interesting, right? Because like they came from, or Katara and Sokka grew up in like a poor water tribe sort of environment ang was a monk they didn't have a whole lot of probably like worldly possessions and things she grew up as next to royalty Mm -hmm. and somehow she is the least refined most abrasive person in the group and i love it (laughs) (laughs) it just hit it just hits all the things you love about the trope Mm -hmm. exactly and i mean coolest character introduction in avatar in my opinion like oh for sure you see (laughs) yeah i mean deciding to introduce this tiny little blind girl via a WWE style wrestling match <laughs> genius. <laughs> and you know even that I I will I didn't write this down but that's also a, a nice little bit of comedy is to poke fun at the whole WWE style thing. You you know I love how cuz I got to talk about Sokka I guess every time. Um, <laughs> I love how Sokka gets just all wrapped up in it um, only to be crushed by re- by the reality of Toph. Um yeah, it's 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 all just it's all just pretty cool. Although one thing else, this is totally off topic. Although one thing I will say, when the when the Firebender or well, the Fire Nation Earthbender comes <laughs> out, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, are the Fire Nation suddenly Russians? Like nah, nobody, it's nope. probably like a Rocky reference. <laughs> probably it it is. It's probably a Rocky reference, or it's probably something with an American audience in mind. Yeah. Yeah, because, because <laughs> yeah, because yeah, otherwise, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe to like a European or other countries, they might get the joke, but like, like to an American audience, it makes sense that like the foreign enemy would be Russian. I mean, we still have, I mean, aside from today's stuff, like we still have that Cold War trope inside of us. But anyway, absolutely, and like, I mean, what, I mean, what faster way to establish a heel character in a in a wrestling match? Really? Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, it's totally off topic, but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you picked up on that too. I was just like, "What? What? Russian fire fire nation Earth Kingdom person?" Yeah, especially in a especially in an uh, in a series that that has some like quote unquote non American accents, but they're very few and far between. And if they are non American, they tend to lean toward the classic Asian or Indian accents. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I actually, those are all the notes I have on Toph or on this episode. What else, if anything, did you have about this episode? I don't know if I really had anything else. It's just the way that they introduced the character, the character herself, and how it was executed are just all phenomenal in my mind. That's why I love this episode so much. 
now it's time to get to where we uh, do ratings um, for the episodes. Again, these are on a five-point scale. Decimals are allowed. Um, and despite Beth's objections, I am not adding a jingle that instead of saying mail time, like from Blue's Clues, <laughs> I would sing ratings time. Um, as much as I'm sure you would all love to hear me sing that. Um, but it is time for time for the ratings. I'll stop being silly. Beth, what did you, <laughs> what did you have for Avatar Day? Um, I'm going to give Avatar Day a 3.7, uh, which is higher oh, than hurt. I initially thought I would give it. <laughs> I'm hurt, but go ahead. Um, it's a fun filler episode that's not that's otherwise unremarkable. So 3.7. Oof. <laughs> this is probably the one area you and I have most disagreed on. I think it is, honestly. Is this episode. Um, I rate this one as a 4.4. Um, I genuinely enjoy this episode and i would come back and watch it again just jordan jordan breaking your own rating tradition of if it's not relevant for the plot it can't get over a four Tisk- i know <laughs> i know i it's, you know it's good to learn that as human beings we're all subjective and we break our own rules and make exceptions all the time it's no wonder <laughs> the english language was created um, yes but it's so it's so enjoyable and i so and i i enjoy it so much and I think the plot is, well, yes, unimportant to the larger scheme. The plot is logical, silly, um, very humorous. To me, the, the the carrying factors are humor. Zuko's bit, I think, is interesting. It's not necessarily something that's going to carry it, but it's interesting. Um, and then expanding the lore are all positives. Like, gosh, if it actually was relevant to the series itself, like in the larger scope, this would be like a supremely good episode, in my opinion. Anyway, so I give it a 4.4. Now, on to The Blind Bandit. What did you give this one, Beth? I gave this one a 4.2. Um, All right. Over a 4, but on the low end of it, I think. like even It doesn't do a whole lot to advance the plot, but I just love Toph, and I love her character introduction, and I'm biased, so <laughs> and yeah. it's all subjective anyway, so 4.2 for me. Yeah, I mean, mine, mine could be a 4. Mine's a 4.3, but I, I feel like I'm right there with you, like... It's like everything that carries this episode is the introduction of Toph. Um, and when we're not seeing Toph be awesome, everything else is meh. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole plot line of her being captured and then not captured. And then this, and then another downer ending. Goodness. Downer endings. <laughs> yes. Like that's all we do this season. Yeah. Um, you know, just, I don't know. And, and, and I guess to not spoil it a bit, but, this downer ending is really not, it, it's relevant, but also not for the future. Yeah. So just another minor looming threat in a sea of minor and major looming threats. Yeah. But, there are bigger, there are bigger fish yeah. to fry out there. So, but so I yeah, I agree love, with like, you. One thing I guess I forgot to mention is how like the episode doesn't end with that particularly because it does cut back to Toph. That's true. I guess it and, isn't technically a downer ending. She's just like leaning off of the edge of Appa's saddle and smiling. So I don't know. First time in her life. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beth and Jordan Rewatch, where we rewatch our favorite movies and shows and discuss what we love about them. You can find all of our episodes on anchor.fm slash BJ Rewatch or on Spotify at Beth and Jordan Rewatch. 